Welcome to BNB with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond, the podcast where we dive into the incredible world of self healing and mind body connection using biohacking and lessons from Germanic New Medicine. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for listening in on this episode of Biohacking and Beyond. This is your host, Elia Bella, and I'm super excited to have my guest today. Her name is Tanya Verkin a passionate explorer of life, health, and nature with over a decade of experience as an emotion code practitioner, an accomplished artist, and holistic health enthusiast. Tanya empowers thousands through her podcast, Pixelated Perspectives. Let's find out more about it. It's called New Perspectives, where she guides members in applying the biological laws of nature to everyday life. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Ellie. I'm so, so grateful to be here. It's a pleasure to connect with you. I know it's been a couple months uh, that we tried to connect with each other, but you know, life got in the way. It was a holiday season. You're busy. Yeah. I'm busy. But now we finally have the privilege of connecting together. I'm not sure if you know, but we have two things in common. One is that we're both Canadian. <laughs> and the second is that we're, we're, we both work using the Germanic new medicine, you know, using the biological laws of nature in our line of work. Yes, I love that. Are you so you're from BC from the West Coast? Yes, I lived there for six years. Some of the most amazing times of my life. So, so much adventure, so many new chapters opening in Canada. And it was mm -hmm. sad that I had to leave it, but it always remains in my heart. So Tanya, we are very interested in, in you, how you got started. Do you have like an origin story, you know, anything that, that happened in childhood, but that may have led to you becoming who you are today? Oh, well, thank you for that question. You know, I was kind of a kid that always was connected with energy, connected with nature. I grew up on a farm and my family still farms to this day, but, you know, I spent a lot of time outside and, um, I was always um, so intrigued by nature and it was just, I knew that there was, we lived in a universe that, you know, made sense. But yet as a child, I, I struggled with some digestive issues, always had stomach aches, like always, as long as I can remember. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, my, my parents would take me to, you know, the medical, you know, that route, getting blood tests and stuff. And we even went to holistic, the holistic route, and we got some um, homeopathic, you know, remedies and stuff, but they all always had the same response saying, oh, you know what, you, you look fine, like you're healthy, we don't really know. And that really never sat with me well at all, because I was like, how can we live in this universe that is clearly perfect, like look at nature, and yet there's no answer, like you can't give us an answer. So that I, I can remember feeling confused, pretty much my whole childhood and into teenage years and adulthood until I had a family. You know, this was when I first kind of was introduced to GNM. I, my girls were really, really young, like two, three years old. Then that's when it all changed. It was finally like that weekend seminar with Carolina Markelin back in 2011. That was the moment. It was like this visceral experience in my body. It was like the answer I knew existed actually existed and it was like this amazing remembering but even though I was only hearing it for the first time I was like I knew it like this was it was groundbreaking for me and it really changed the course you know of my life because 
you know, I'd never really been into like wellness in that sort of sense where I was like geared towards like, you know, choosing the, the different foods and stuff. It changed where I was now interested vitally in, you know, making this make sense in my life. And how do I raise my kids with this incredible knowledge? Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I ended up on this path. And of course, that's over a decade ago. So it definitely wasn't my main group of study, you know, as I was, you know, raising a young family, things took over. It wasn't until really recently, Ellie, that, you know, 2020 was that pivotal moment, like so for so many other people when it was like, I cannot and will not be quiet anymore about this. It's, it's just too important. And, you know, I was always someone who cared what other people thought of me. So I didn't want to ruffle feathers. And, you know, 10 years ago, um, this body of work would have been, you would have sounded crazy talking about. And that's how I felt. And that's why I didn't speak up so much. You know, it was just within my immediate family. 2020 came and I'm like, no, it's all coming out now. <laughs> and that's so, yeah, here we are. That is so cool. And you know what? I, I do agree that the, the pandemic did have its gifts. It certainly was an awakening for so many. And now people are looking at health in a different way and actually, you know, looking at it as, hey, maybe it's important that I take care of myself, you know, where before people were just, you know, so whimsical about health, like it was nothing. Oh, I have so many questions. Uh, first is, um, you're based in Alberta, right? Right now? Yes. Yes. And that is also where you grew up? It is. Yes. I'm, I'm in the mountains right now. I've, I've been here for about 20 years, but I grew up in the prairies. So I had, you know, beautiful, both worlds of prairies and mountains. And yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've been, but always in Alberta. Oh, so beautiful. I've been there once and I saw how beautiful it was and how cold it was actually. <laughs> Dude, it must be freezing right now since it's it's February at this time. And also, did you take Carolyn Mercolin's course? Because I remember that, yes, yeah, she was going around Canada and teaching this. And by the mm -hmm. way, we thank her for her body of work without which, mm -hmm. you know, we wouldn't be able to spread the knowledge of Germanic new medicine and Dr. Hammer's by biological laws of nature. For people who don't know, she has a very comprehensive website on every sensible biological special program or what we call disease in her website learninggnm.com tanya did you take one of her courses one mm -hmm. of her certification courses that time yes yeah I was, I was so so happy and and so grateful for that opportunity because as you know she doesn't travel anymore teaching and offering those seminars so um, yeah, very, I count myself very lucky. And then I've also, she has um, quite a few DVDs that you can purchase and learn that way. So they're recordings of her past seminar teachings. I've purchased many of those as well. And and yes, you're, you're so right with that comprehensive website. It, it's a regular kind of tab open on my computer all the time. And it has been for years and years. It's just one of those websites where it has to be bookmarked because it's just, like you said, it's comprehensive and it covers it all. Yeah, everything. And even the layman can just read it and be, you know, flabbergasted. But oh my God, this is spot on. This is exactly mm -hmm. what happened to me. And I actually discovered Germanic New Medicine through her because there was some breast cancer talk that was going around Facebook and I happened to see it. And then I watched it and it made so much sense. Just like you said, there was like this visceral landing, this understanding, mm -hmm. like this is the missing piece. This makes so much sense that bacteria are not there to harm us. They're there for a reason. So 
Tanya, how did you chance upon Germanic New Medicine 10 years ago? Yeah, that's a great question. My brother and my sister-in-law at the time just had a family too. They were just starting their young family and they opened up a health food store because, you know, they realized that their baby was having some reactions and they, they didn't want to, you know, they wanted to give him the best food out there, but they're like, there is nowhere where we can get really good quality ingredients and stuff like that. So in opening their store and being connected with the people that you are often connected with when you open a health food store and a supplement store, they happened to offered or some somehow in that was the invitation to come to this seminar. And of course, they were going because it was it was a great opportunity to expand their knowledge base for the store. And they invited me. And of course, I didn't really know what I was going into. But that's exactly where it started. And, and I'm so grateful. It's so cool that she was in Canada. I wish I had known her or, or known about this 10 years ago. And apparently there is a, a growing number of practitioners around Western Canada, like in Vancouver. Also, there's a, a, quite a big group there too of, of practitioners. And also there are offshoots of GHK, like uh, something called a pyramid healing or biogenealogy with Gilbert Renault in French Canada using mm. GHK as a framework, but looking at ancestral trauma, uh, looking at mm. biological conflicts in kids resulting from the psychological conflicts of the parents upon conception and using GHK as kind of that framework. So it's, it's quite interesting that that Canada is, is really, you know, this hot soup of <laughs> so much, you know, practitioners and wellness practitioners for that matter. So it's it's pretty cool that you're right there in the middle of it. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, I really don't consider myself a practitioner, though, you know, like a lot of people, even I consult people. And I definitely work within our own community. But yeah, as a practitioner, I, you know, I, I consider myself more of a, a consultant in that way. But I totally know what you're saying, Ellie, and, and appreciate it. There is such a vast number of people that someone can turn to that understand kind of this knowledge base at least enough to assist somebody if and where they need it. And if not one person, well, then the next person can help. And that's always something that I've appreciated to be able to do is if I couldn't help someone that I always have a handful of other people that have like, hey, look, like maybe see him. I think he might, you know, he has a little bit more experience in this department. And that's such a benefit of having such a, a vast number of people know this from this area where you can, you can, you can recommend people for different scenarios and it's really helpful that way. Yeah. And it's been, I think it's just exploded in the past year or so. Like when mm -hmm. I discovered GNM two years ago, 2021, there was just Carolyn Markle and Ilsidora Laker, and that was it. There was no connection either to the European community of Germanische Halkunde. It was just the English speaking world would be the Canadians and, and of course, Andy and Melissa, and that was it. And whatever courses there were, Andy was the only one who had them. So I took that. I bought all of Carolyn Marcolin's DVDs online and, you know, dove into that. But of course it was like, what the heck is this? I don't understand it. And so I did Andy's course and, and now I'm in the Pilhar Academy educator course also to deepen my knowledge and understanding and to really use it. But now it, you're right. There's such an explosion. It's so amazing. It's like, you know, so many people are posting on IG about biological conflicts, about resolutions, about, you know, their experiences. Now it's like, there's a plethora 
of stuff coming out and it's really spreading like wildfire as it should. And so I think that was, you know, that came at the helm of a pandemic because people were desperate for something and now this is it. So a pandemic can never land again because of this knowledge, because that is our fail safe and our stopgap, but anything like that ever happening again. So Tanya, were you an emotion code practitioner before GNM or after? What was the timing of that? I, I was in the process of becoming certified when I when I went to that weekend seminar. So in it fit, I recognized right away how it fits so perfectly as well. It was just like, yes, of course, our emotions and, and it has so much to do with it because, you know, what impacts the psyche on an emotional level? Well, that determines how it's going to show up within the body, right? And, and where that impact happens in the brain. So, of course, the emotional component was it just made me even more excited about getting certified in the emotion code because it was just so right on, you know, right on the mark. So, yeah, it was it was all happening at once and it was exciting. That's amazing. The timing for you was just perfect. It, it was, was like, it, it was. was so meant to be because, you know, if, if, if you were doing emotion co, we wouldn't have that kind of perspective of, you know, the flesh and bone, what actually is happening with tissue adaptation and what the specific organ is actually representing in terms of the psychobiological content or the content load, we would be like, you know, guessing sometimes and, you know, more often than not, it works, but having this like laser focus on exactly what is happening with a person really makes it easier. Easy, right? Yeah, it helps a lot. Yeah. Is this something that uh, Tanya, like if somebody were looking for like a trauma therapist or, you know, somebody wanting to release um, emotional intensity, it would be something that we could, you know, refer someone to you for that service? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, traumas like with a big T, whether they're really, really hugely impactful or even not so big. Just like, as you know, with anybody experiencing a conflict shock, a DHS, in order to start a biological program, it doesn't have to be this massive thing. It just has to, you know, fulfill those three criteria, you know, catch you on the wrong foot, be isolative, and then dramatically felt. And so that doesn't always require something huge, like a loss or, you know, a huge separation. It could be something so minute, but it doesn't matter. It's still emotional content stored within the body that's still, it's creating some sort of impact because it's energy. And as we know, energy influences that field, yeah. big or small traumas, it's, it's helpful no matter what. I feel like it's when I was first, you know, really, really learning it and learning the material, I would just regularly clear myself and the, my family. I just regularly kind of just like maintenance, basically. I still do that on occasion, but it's helpful no matter what, even if you're not even aware that you might have a trauma within your body or a, a trapped emotion. It doesn't matter. There's, I don't think there's very many people on this planet that doesn't have some sort of emotional baggage. So it's helpful no matter what. You're right. And I love that the big T and small T trauma doesn't really have to be trauma the way you you might interpret the word to be, but anything that's a biological, psychobiological conflict shock, you know, at tissue adaptation. So a common cold would be tissue adaptation, even if it's mm -hmm. really tiny. It's not even a trauma, but it's a little biological, you know, conflict that, that landed in your tissues, your issues are in your tissues. And so like you, I choose also to live biologically, think biologically. And so therefore the 
the therapy has to be biological. So if I have a cold, like for example, I have a couple of employees and they're sick like every month, they have a common cold, they have a flu, I'm like, what is going on? And so I taught them about the common cold and the stink conflict. It's an annoyance conflict or it could be a smell of danger, right? Whenever they have a cold, I'm like, okay, who pissed you off today? Was it your kid? Was it your husband? Was it somebody in the train? And then they would right away know, oh yeah, it was this woman in the train who, you know, didn't want to give me her seat and I was so annoyed with her and now I have a cold. And you know what, living, thinking biologically and also, you know, using biological therapy, they are never sick. They're, they don't have sick days anymore. They never come. And in fact, when somebody, you know, when I have a client who comes in with, you know, a little bit runny nose, they're like, hmm, sir, who pissed you off today? <laughs> and I love that because it has to spread like wildfire. People need to, to start thinking biologically. Oh, absolutely. And then you probably notice that they, they just cannot help but, but think that way from that moment on because it's like, you know too much now, you cannot go back. It all makes too much sense. I know I have this gaggle of friends with GHK and, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm resolving a scare fright conflict and losing my voice <laughs> because it's because of my, you know, my boss, you know, scared me or something like that. And, but I'm in resolution or, you know, it's like, oh, I can't, I'm constipated. I can't wait to have diarrhea in three days. <laughs> it's, I love it. It's just so amazing. This is, this is really how we should, we should talk. Right. Oh. I agree so much. It makes symptoms like kind of exciting. Like I, I just, I'm like, when I know I've been, I had a DHS, I'm like, oh, I can't, I have no idea how my psyche perceives this, but I cannot wait to find out because you just start learning so much more about yourself. So symptoms become this thing of intrigue instead of uh, fear and confusion. Exactly. Tanya, can, for the, for the non-GNMGHK listeners or people in the know, can you, of course, I know what it is, but could, can you explain what a DHS is and a biological conflict shock is? Yes, absolutely. A biological conflict shock and a DHS, it's synonymous. DHS was uh, termed from Dr. Hammer as it was named after his son, Dirk Hammer. Dirk Hammer syndrome, it's a DHS. It's really just a moment that you are caught off guard, caught on the wrong foot. It's a moment of isolative, you know, you're isolated in that moment and it's dramatic for you. So there's emotional content there. And it's really a conflict shock. It's something that you couldn't have been prepared for. And, you know, that moment in time is really just a split second. In that moment, your subconscious or your psyche perceives that event in some way or that situation. And then it begins this beautiful, senseful biological program, which is what causes these tissue adaptations within our body. So that's the biological response to the psychological conflict. I love it. And I love that you use the word beautiful because, you know, only GHK people can really understand that it is indeed beautiful because of the fifth biological law of nature, the quintessence of everything. Nothing is bad or good. Everything has a meaningful biological purpose. And yes, if you start to bleed and there's purulent bacteria and it starts to stink, it's beautiful. It's part of life. Mm -hmm. It's part of nature. <laughs> and I think to replace fear of our body with wonderment and curiosity to say, wow, thank you so much body for having the, you know, all of the tools of nature and, and all of the forces of, you know, the vital life force in me to help me with this distressful life situation. 
Oh, yes, Ellie, that's, that's exactly it. That's what's needed. It's this paradigm shift of seeing of how we view, quote unquote, disease and illnesses. It's, it has to be switched into this new paradigm of, of what truly is. And that is, like you said, it's how you think biologically. It, it's just a different way of thinking altogether. And it makes so much sense. And that's the really quintessence is that it, it, it eradicates the fear. You really can move out of fear and into a life of, you know, health freedom instead. I love it. And, you know, Tanya, I was looking at your website and I saw this exquisite artwork that you do, the birds and the eagles and everything. I think it's a reflection of what you see around you physically and, and most likely mm -hmm. also in your inner real estate. It, it just gives me this oh, beautiful feeling of lightness and freedom. And, and what inspired you to make artwork such as this? Oh, that's such a thank you so much, Ellie. I appreciate your compliment. You're right. It's it's what I see outside. As I said, we're in the mountains or just at the foot of the mountains. So we're we're right kind of next to the National Park here in Canada, Jasper National Park. So it's stunning. We have a beautiful river on one side and we're we're flanked with the mountain range on the other side of us. Although we don't ski, which you'll probably laugh at, but we, we do other things. <laughs> we okay. go on the lakes. And, but yes. So um, yeah, to get back to, to this, my inspiration basically for painting the birds and, and everything is, as I said, we, this is what I get to see regularly. And I feel like too, you already touched on it with my, my inner landscape. It really is freedom to me is my core value. And for birds, they represent freedom for me. They represent being able to defy the odds, first of all, because, you know, they can fly and they just the thought. And when I, whenever I see a bird, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just, it just resonates with me so much because of how, what they represent to me and what they mean to me. Eagles and hummingbirds, they're the biggest and the smallest but they both are really, really special. They both have significance in my life, just in terms of past experiences. And then with my dad passed away a year and a half ago, and his spirit has always kind of been this eagle for me. And so eagles have been a, a very, a played a big role in that and just in everything that he's taught me and, and everything he's left behind. It's, it's been really great. So yeah, so nature, the trees, everything that I see, I really like to try to create. It's part of my expression. And I feel like I need to paint. I, I have to. It's who I am. And so when I'm not painting, if I haven't painted for like a week or so, I start, I really notice I get kind of irritated. And, and then as soon as I recognize that behavior, it's like, okay, what is missing here? And you, oh, of course, you haven't really expressed yourself creatively in a while. So let's sit down and, and create something. And then it all just comes back and it's, it's wonderful. So it's definitely part of my life. And I can't imagine my life without it. It's, it's been great. Yeah. And just looking at your body language, you just seem to be sparkling from within when you talk about it. So it's like something, you know, it's like your life's purpose. And I, I believe you sharing that beauty that comes from the inner part of yourself is such a beautiful offering and uh, safe passage to your father as well. And he is riding high on the wings of eagles, you know, in etheric form or in physical form, whatever that is, I think, yeah, you really, it really captures it um, in your, in your artwork. I think it's so beautiful. Is this something that you got into since childhood? 
Um, as a child, my mom was an artist, so I watched her paint all the time. She painted um, things and subjects from the farm, so cattle and horses. She is a beautiful artist. So I was surrounded with art my whole life, and I took after-school art lessons as a child, and so did my siblings. I didn't, I kind of just left it, you know, I, I was a teenager, and I was, you know, I did other things, and, and then I met my husband and we had a family. And so art became second, you know, it, it had a backseat. But then when we moved out to the mountains, it was like, I couldn't not paint. I was just like, wow, I, I need to, I need to create this. I don't know how, but I, I remembered, I'm like, oh yeah, I think, you know, I was pretty good at art when I was a kid. <laughs> so like, I'm going to try painting this again. And then of course it didn't take long for me to be like, oh, this is it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we're going to share your website in the show notes, but if you guys could take a look at our website and just look at the exquisite, you know, pieces of art and prints that you can buy and, and paintings as well, go and check it out. If I lived in Canada, it would be easier for me to get access to that. I love nature as well. When I looked at, you know, what you were painting, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could paint this way. And do you have a favorite bird? Do you have a favorite one in particular? Well, pretty much any hummingbird, any hummingbird species I love. They're absolutely my favorite and I wait every, you know, every May they come here and we always have three or four that are regulars that visit our home um, and they stay till about, you know, September. But so hummingbirds and eagles, of course, they're, they're my favorite as well. And so it's, it's interesting how, you know, a lot of us have so many different backgrounds, like you do emotion code, you're also a painter, I'm a trauma therapist, I, I also work with kids with special needs. And you know, finding GNM GHK, we kind of thread it all together with the biological laws of nature. How have you sort of done that in your lines of work as a painter, and also as an emotion code practitioner? Oh, that's a great question. You know, as an emotional co-practitioner, I, I feel like it's just second nature. It's just, it really goes hand in hand. So it was quite easy and is quite easy to thread that in with, with clients. It's, it helps them because a lot of my clients, at least prior to 2020, hadn't a clue about the laws of nature. Like, you know, they just came because, you know, they constantly had headaches or, or, you know, their back pain just wouldn't go away. And so I would always, you know, help them correlate you know what was that emotional content what was that root you know and so they would walk away with that understanding not knowing that we were really talking about the biological laws of nature but then as art you know whenever I'm painting it really is like it's I paint nature so you know it's for me it's when I'm in the process of painting it's like this this expression of of nature coming through the paper and I, I don't know how how it really correlates and even if it does but in a way I think it's like honoring the laws I don't know if I I've never really thought of it Ellie mm -hmm. to be honest with you but it is I think me and painting nature is just my own way of honoring the perfection that we see every single day but having said that I've always wanted and trying to to figure out a way to kind of blend you know, like you do what you just said, you you absolutely have blended your talents and your gifts together into this beautiful work that you do and offer people. And I always was wondering, how could I do that? How could I blend art into this realm of, of GHK, GNM? And so, you know, I began uh, the podcast, of course. And so with the 
a very small integration of art was all of my podcast um, episode covers are my own paintings. And so, okay, I'm thinking, well, that's integrating my art, but like, really, is that really doing much? And so the next step was we, you know, and I'm in the middle of it right now is creating a, a art and wellness retreat. And so this is how I, I've kind of like it, I'm very excited about this because this is a true integration of getting into nature and um, learning watercolor, like exploring the watercolor, exploring the artist within you and also exploring nature and the wellness that it really, that you're literally connected with. So this is how I'm, I finally decided how I'm going to integrate it. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. I wish I were there. <laughs> I could attend. <laughs> oh, well, actually it's, it's not going to be here in Canada. The first one is going to be in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh, that's even better. <laughs> I, I had to get close to the hummingbirds, Ellie, and that's why I've chosen to go to Costa Rica. They're just, you know, my dad and I shared this love for hummingbirds and he was actually a very avid birder. And um, he had you know, he just a beautiful egg collection, feather collection of just, he lived on a farm, as I said, with, with so many trees. He just was such an avid birder. And every time we seen a hummingbird, we just, it was just like our, that was our connection, right? We, we connected over birds. So for me, I felt like the best place to have this kind of first retreat would be in Costa Rica. So we could paint the hummingbirds. And at the same time, we're going to really we're going to really get into this wellness aspect and how the, the laws of nature really do apply to our everyday life. Oh my God, the more I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> you should come. I would love to have you there. Oh, I would love to as well. I remember going to Peru and um, staying in this hotel called the Incaterra and they had hummingbird feeders everywhere. And then the hummingbirds would come and, you know, you could stay there for hours with your camera and just take photos of them. I imagine you could just sit there and just paint them. It was so beautiful with the backdrop of, you know, the the, the forest and all. Yeah. It, it's just amazing. And, you know, the energy, the energy there, the, the, the grids of that part of the world, it's just so, you know, it's so vibrant. It's so alive and powerful. So it's wonderful that you're doing that, Tanya. Oh my gosh, just looking at how you're expanding your work and sharing it, you know, in other corners of the world. That's just amazing amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited. I'm very nervous too, but excited, more excited. It's been coming. It's been in the works a long time. It's been in my heart. I just had it. I needed the courage to actually say, yes, I'm going to do this. And I feel like so many people, you know, they don't realize there's this inner need to express creatively. And I feel like this is one part of our modern lifestyle that we are kind of lacking. Most people feel like, you know, I'm not creative. I could paint but believe me Ellie you you have no idea this is a learned skill you can paint and just because your paintings might not look the same as somebody else's we all have our own expression so you can have really detailed painting that's more my style but you can absolutely have this really light expressive watercolor stroke and it still be absolutely beautiful because it's an, a creation within you so I feel like it's so needed and how especially coming from how I feel when I don't paint for a while it's and I'm not expressing that creative aspect I know what I'm, I'm like I, I'm not fun to be around and so I feel like the you know our society 
society can use this. They can use really learning that, yes, they are creative, even if they've thought their whole life they're not, they really are. And they'd be surprised. And I'm sure, you know, under your guidance, you're so experienced and you have such an eye for detail and, you know, also detail um, in terms of the the inner real estate that's required to kind of be in that space of creativity and just let it flow in your, you know, bio-individuality and your, your uniqueness of who you are to express that in color and in paper. I think it's it's going to be an amazing experience. And there's no better person than than you to really, you know, carry this through. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and, you know, I was listening to your, your podcast and it's you have quite a library already because it's been around for for quite some time and i do love the title could, could you let us know a little bit of you know why you chose the title pixelated perspectives oh yes thank you so much ellie i'm actually really proud of this title and i don't know if you noticed the podcast cover so it is this was a painting done by my daughter of me and this was before she, she had given me this before I come up with the name for the podcast. The podcast was already a thing and in the works, but she painted this picture of me for Christmas and it was, it's all pixels. So it's little tiny squares and, you know, just one square at a time and you add the color. And then when you zoom out on the picture, it shows a really clear image and it's of my face. And I was like, Eva, this is incredible. This represents how like life is like life can be so pixelated. It can be like when we're up close and we see things just from our very broad, narrow perspective, we see just, you know, jumbled up things. But if we expand our perspective and zoom out in this broader sense, we get to see this beautiful, clear picture that's really intended for us to see. And so I'm like, Ava, this is it. This is, can I, can I use this for the cover and this name? Like, can I use this name? And so I started Googling, you know, kind of researching was anybody else using this name and no, it was free. So I'm like, yes, it was meant to be. Amazing. And how old was your daughter when she made this cover? I saw it. It's tremendous. And I actually thought you made it, but how oh. old was your daughter when she painted this? I think she was 17 because she was in grade 11 or 12. So no, I think she was 16 because yeah, she was 16 years old. So it was wonderful. She did it in an art class and it was so beautiful. Okay. When you said 17, I was shocked. I, I thought you were going to say like six or seven because you don't look like you have a 17 year old. If you look at Tanya right now, she likes, <laughs> she looks super young. It's like, oh, her kids must be toddler age or something. And then she said 17. Okay. Gosh, already accomplished artist because I guess it's in her blood. Yeah. Well, Ava, she doesn't normally like to paint, although she's very good. And I, I have another daughter too, who's, who's now 17 and she's, very very artistic she's more like me who actually kind of needs the expression but yes they both have it in them and um it's they just it's neat to see like when they do decide to go sit down and and create something it's always incredible so it's neat love it i wanted to circle back then to your childhood now that you know gnm ghk did you figure out what your dhs was for your stomach aches when you were a kid Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Not like a specific DHS, Ellie, but I figured out what the theme, like what the conflict theme was. And it was, I never liked school. I really, really hated it. 
And I hated being like centered out to read in front of my classmates. And I always like I dreaded it. It was something that I, I literally dreaded every morning going to class because I knew I was going to have to read in front of the class. I knew I was going to be asked to like, what's the answer, you know, called out because that's just what teachers did. Like I know all of my teachers did that right throughout grade school. And I honestly hated it. And so this was it. It was so constant. It explained why every time I got home, my stomach was hurting. And, you know, I just remember like my mom even, you know, she commented one time, it was years ago. She's like, yeah, you always, every time I asked you to unload the dishwasher or help me in the house, you, you always said my stomach hurt, but I was, that was not an excuse. I'm like, mom, you have to know. <laughs> <laughs> it was not an excuse, but it's funny. So that, you know, that definitely was it. And as I grew older, my stomach aches, you know, going into high school, they were, they were kind of a thing of the past. What was in high school was more joint pains and, and neck, like severe neck pain. And that was something Ellie, that later on, after I learned GNM, I, uh -huh. I made the correlations to also, which was really neat. It's so amazing. Like so many things start to come to light and it's like, oh, no wonder I was feeling this way when I was younger. No wonder my, you know, my period stopped. It's just so amazing. I love it. And now you've had a lot of consultees, right? Do you have any success stories? Just for, I find that I do consults too. I find that even just one consultation is enough to find the biological solution to a conflict. Do you have any success stories you'd like to share? Oh, sure. Yes. Let's see. One that comes to mind right away is I was working with an 85 year old woman and she had lost her sense of smell like for years. She hasn't been able to smell a thing, nothing like not even the flowers on, on her table. I it was a phone call with her and her daughter. They were explaining, you know, what, what she did. I was kind of asking her, well, what do you do like on a daily basis? And, and she was, she was telling me that she usually talks to her sister on the phone and, and it happens every single day. She has this conversation with her sister. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and I start asking like, well, you know, do you, do you enjoy the conversations? And like, you know, what, what type of things do you guys talk about? And she's like, oh, my sister, she, she's such a drag. Like she, everything she says is negative and she, she just has to put everything down. And, and she goes, no, I actually really don't like the conversations. Like I kind of dread them. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I'm kind of helping them understand the correlation. And as soon as she understood that it was the, she perceived it, like her psyche was perceiving this, these conversations as a stink combo, like annoyance in a way, she got it right away. And Ellie, they emailed me the next week telling me that her, her scent came back after just Probably about three days later, she could now smell flowers. Her daughter brought flowers to her. The scent was there and she hadn't smelt for years before that. So, you know, something so simple as that. I It's always so wonderful to get those kind of emails, those follow-ups to, yeah, just to see. And it, it's amazing. It's just as soon as someone can make that correlation, it's like, yeah. But then not only that, they learn to approach the situation differently. So instead of being like, oh, this is going to be so annoying, you are now empowered to decide, well, first of all, do I even need to have a daily conversation? Or if I do want to, can, how can we switch up the conversation so that it no longer stinks for me, no longer sucks?
So, you know, it really helped her see it from that perspective. I love that. So that's like a chronic stink conflict, anosmia, where you lose your sense of smell, you know, the, mm -hmm. the cells are, did she have a cold or did she have a runny nose to, to, you know, bring it back or did the, the scent just come back? The scent just came back, which is, which is odd. Yeah. I actually didn't ask Ellie if, you know, she had other symptoms like the, the common cold to accompany that she may have, she may have, I just did not actually ask her. Yeah, that'll be And I'm assuming she would. I'm assuming that would have definitely happened where where she would have got some congestion and runny nose and, and some sneezing happening too. Yes, exactly. To reset, you know, the everything that's in there. And I yeah. love what you said about the word, you know, you used the word decide is you know, that we have choice. We can choose how to be in every situation, how to, you know, to make the choice of, will I allow this or would I give this person permission to change my tissues? Like to, you know, let my tissues respond to her and, and adapt, or do I just keep them quiet and just, you know, stay in that place of power, what you call the wedge, you know, the place between stimulus and response where I'm just mm -hmm. in the eye of the storm and nobody can touch me. I'm engaged, but I'm also in this place of non-attachment. You know, it, it is. I love that. <laughs> Which I think is like the, the secret to health. You, you could be taking vitamin supplements, do biohacking and, you know, all of these expensive stuff and whatever. But if this is not in place, the psyche is not in place, you're, you can only really go so far. So I think this particular work really, you know, reaches everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, we all have this in our DNA code. And if we learn this, you know, um, sense of self-empowerment, then I think this is the true key to health. What do you say? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm a hundred percent, uh, in agree in agreeance with you there. Yeah. Hundred wow. percent. It's it's everything, the the psyche, how we perceive things. That's all where it starts. And so, like like you said, the more laid back we can be, and just kind of can we have a experience the conversation, experience the situation, and do we need to respond? Do we in that way? You know, do we have to be really get emotionally involved? And but I understand like sometimes being having a conflict, a shock you know, the, the word shock by definition is you're caught off guard. So that, you know, no one can really prepare for that, sure. but you can, you can downgrade, you can have the awareness, you know, and, and to the degree that you are aware, you can downgrade. And again, that's, that's that part. That's where we need to, you know, really apply these, these laws and make them applicable. You are so right. That is where it is important because like what you said, by the very definition of a shock, there's no way to, you know, preempt it. It just happens naturally in our DNA. So even us, you know, we know GNM, GHK, me, for example, I still get intellectual self-devaluation pains. Mm -hmm. I still get, you know, neck pain, stiff neck, and I still get lower back pains. You know, once mm -hmm. in a while I have a toe cramp and, you know, things of that nature or knees that are hurting. So yeah, definitely there, there, we, we will always run psyche programs because they're there for a biological reason with a theme of survival. And so it's really just a feedback for us to know, hey, you have a pattern, you have this sensitivity, what are you going to do about it, you know, is to use it as a tool instead of, you know, let what's in the way become the way. You know, this is really amazing. So the, the GNM GHK is just mind blowing. <laughs> I, I it just is love mind blowing. How you, yeah, how you explained that. Amazing.
Oh, it is mind blowing. Yes. Someone once asked me, they, they DM'd me on Instagram and said, well, since you know GNM, does that mean you never get sick and have symptoms? I'm like, what? No, 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 no. That's not it at all. Because like you said, we, we're human and this is human nature is to experience life and, and conflicts are part of life and, and being you know, caught off guard. That's just part of the human experience. But it's you know, understanding that it isn't being quote unquote sick. It's not sick. It's your body adapting for your survival, for your benefit. And so I look at it in a different way. And and just explaining that to her, it really impacted her. It was, you know, she thanked me for that explanation. And she's like, I, I never thought of it. Like it's, it really was, it helped her shift, you know, have that mindset shift. And so, yeah, when you come from that angle, it's um, helpful. I remember, I'll just segue a little bit into um, when I, one example I was caught off guard was when I was first asked to start teaching GNM classes in person. And I was not expecting that at all, Ellie. I like, that was the last thing on my radar. I get a phone call and it's from my brother who still has the health food store, by the way, but it's, it's now merged or like kind of formed into something even better. But anyway, he has this class space and he called me out of the blue and said, you know what, I'd like you to start teaching GNM classes here. And I remember like being completely caught off guard. I'm like, what? Like, no, like, I'm not even going to consider that. Like, why would I do that? And I can't speak in front of people. And because the last time I had tried to speak in front of people, it was such a nightmare, Ellie. It was the worst experience. <laughs> and it took me months to get over. So I was like, not gonna do it. And so in that moment, I experienced a conflict shock, a DHS. Um, and I was totally aware of it. Like after I got the phone, I was completely like obsessively thinking about this because I kind of said, okay, well, let me just have time to think about it. But so I knew like I was definitely conflict active. And so that was an example of just being caught off guard. I just did not see him asking me. And then when eventually, long story short, I did go through with it and I taught the first G two GNM classes. They were brilliant. They were beautiful. So many people got to be introduced to this. I ended up going back to pick up all of my stuff at the end in his store. And the moment I walked through the doors, it came into resolution. For the rest of the day, I had several different symptoms. So I, I got to see how my psyche perceived it. But the symptoms were my eyes started to run profusely, like just running. I started sneezing. So this cold onset right away. And also I had to run to the bathroom. So three different tissue groups, right? Um, and so that told me right then and there how my psyche perceived it in that moment, in that DHS and so it was like a, a light separation, visual separation, where I didn't want to be seen because the last time I was seen, it was terrible. Right. And then, you know, this indigestible morsel just couldn't couldn't digest that I, <laughs> I could do that or would have to. And then, you know, that stink, that scent, you know, scent of danger. It was so neat how when I, it was all said and done and I came to pick up all my stuff because it was a big relief. It was over. Then this is when all the symptoms came and, you know, somebody who didn't know this body of knowledge could say, Oh my God, that, you know, maybe someone from the class were sick and I picked it up or, you know, where could have I gotten this virus? You know, we just never know. So 
this is kind of the benefit of understanding these beautiful adaptations because you all of a sudden, the first thought is how, where's the correlation? How can I correlate this to what I was going through, through emotionally? That's amazing. And you know, when, when we look at the body and nature, it evolved over billions of years. So it's about survival, about be, becoming better. Anything that's useless or is not good for your survival is immediately um, dismissed or removed by nature. And it's this slow percolation of, you know, achieving perfection as much as possible. So when we look at, let's say a joint pain or a, a neck pain, it's not that your tissues are disintegrating. It's the exact opposite. Tissue never disintegrates. It gets thicker and stronger stronger and better because it perceived that, hey, your tissues are not strong enough for this perceived life situation. So let's reupholster you. Let's mm -hmm. remove that old fabric and then replace it with stronger ones. So that when you face a conflict of the same nature, you have the muscles for it. You have the steel for it. What I love about what you said was that it's not just on a physical level, tissue level. So I imagine, Tanya, after that, like when you maybe, you know, went out and did another in-person class or you know you have a podcast and everything that you probably didn't experience tissue adaptation anymore because you were very self-aware so not only did your tissue get stronger but also your emotional and mental resolve also probably was more established because of this self-awareness this sensitivity that you had from a alarm bell let's say or a track from a past mm -hmm. experience where you experienced distress Yes, actually, Ellie, that's that's a good point. I did for a while after every mm -hmm. event, I still had that experience. But because I had awareness around it, like you said, I was able to slowly like, okay, this is I, I know what this this is from I recognize it. It's just a track. And just I started approaching it just differently every time. And now where I don't experience that anymore. So it did it was gradual. But yes, that's, that's the benefit of having that awareness. Sometimes it could have been like, okay, never again, I experienced it. But for me, mm -hmm. it was yeah, it was gradual. And thankfully, now it's not the case. I don't experience that adaptation. Awesome. And it could also be that there were layers of different tracks from other times in your life. If that was your pattern or your sensitivity from childhood, then, you know, your body could have been releasing some, some more stuff, you know, just a little bit more, just a little bit more until, oh, look, empty. We're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never thought of that because that kind of has been my pattern since childhood with the stomach thing. So yeah, that's probably exactly what it was. And then it really kind of really heightened when I had that first, you know, spoke in front of people and it just went horribly that kind of, I think it really left an imprint, you know, emotionally, which kind of, of course we know causes the some adaptations too. So yeah, that all had to work itself out and it did eventually. So I'm happy. <laughs> And I love it how, you know, life just throws these curveballs at you that it knows that you can take, you know, it's not like, well, it's going to be the death of you, but you know, life will, will throw these challenges at you that, Hey, Tanya, this is your sensitivity that you need. That's getting in the way. It's kind of a roadblock and you're strong enough to, you know, push it out, push it away, because you have bigger things in your life to accomplish that maybe you're going to be talking to a whole stadium of people, not just a room of people, and you're going to have to build this muscle slowly. And what do you know? You're going to Costa Rica and you're doing this whole beautiful retreat, right? Where you really have to be in your place of personal power and be in your, you know, in your full creative expression. 
Oh, Ali, I have goosebumps when you talked about that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. You're right. The universe, like it's set up for us, isn't it? It's all for us. It's not against us. And nature is no different. It's just, it's also perfect. So yeah, it's, it really to have that trust in your body, and in what is presented, the opportunities presented, it's all for a reason. And that's such a great message. And I know it's it's almost been an hour, so I usually throw this question at all my podcast guests. And if you were to see a world where it was perfect and everything you wanted was there, magic wand, and poof, this world is here, and it's my world that I think is perfect. What would that world look like for you? Oh, that's a fantastic question. And I knew this question was coming because I've listened to your podcast episodes before. But do you think I put some thought into it? I didn't. But, <laughs> you know, right off the top of my head, Ellie, it's visualizing communities like tribes, you know, going back to living biologically, how our ancestors were, um, you know, there was there was it was a safe place to express and everybody had a role there. You know, everybody was supportive so community and tribes just live in like like you biologically this is what a perfect world would look like is just getting back to you know alignment to these laws and and so that means you know growing our own food you know not going to the grocery stores anymore and and kind of getting away from that because that isn't biological you know that that's not biological it's getting our kids into learning these beautiful laws of nature and learning to express themselves creatively and getting back into like really honoring our elders because they have so much wisdom to offer. And, you know, they're still in, in this generation, they still lived way more biologically than we have. So they do have so much to offer us. And I feel like, you know, they're not honored in the way that they should be. So that would be kind of the, what I would envision. So amazing. I, I share that vision with you. Definitely. Oh my God, th th that is exactly what I would like to see in this world as well, Tanya. And I, I feel that you're in the thick of it. Like that vision is you're already living it, you know, living in nature, you know, that your creative expression and living off the land and things. I think you're closer than most people are to that vision. Oh, yeah, thank you. Well, we, you know, we have a great support system around us and a great community, and we all help each other where we can. So it really isn't something that you can do by yourself. It takes a tribe. And, you know, the modern living in society right now is kind of trying to get away from is this tribe, right? This, this, um, everything's kind of individualized. And we want to try to get back to that. So, you know, my way of living, our way of living right now is just because we've got a support system and it's, it's been a community effort, not just a single person. That's so beautiful. Tanya, can you let us know what programs you have available? Can you invite um, the audience in the Philippines that are into biohacking and Germanic new medicine, how they can get access to you and, and what are, what are the things that you're offering right now? Oh, yeah, sure. Thank you, Ellie. Um, well, as you said, there's my podcast, which you can listen to. It's Pixelated Perspectives podcast. And I also have a membership. It's a monthly membership group. So it's really just a community of people that, you know, we're building a community, again, of just empowered and knowledgeable people who are learning to step out of the fear, right? Step out of fear and live a life of health freedom. That's what this membership is all about. So we delve into the biological laws. We meet on Zoom um, twice every month. 
They're always on Mondays. Within that group, there's there's tons of resources within the community. So we have monthly meditation downloads and recipes and lots of resources from Carolina's website and just a bunch of things, support groups on, on Telegram. So there's definitely lots of ways to get involved. You can visit my website at tanyaverquin.ca and that'll take you to the membership info for the membership. And we're actually opening enrollment up for that again this month. So there's there's a window of enrollment that happens. I do it. Um, it's We're just over a year into the membership, into that community. And I've opened up the enrollment three times now. And it's been wonderful. I feel like I don't always have it open because we... I like to be able to spend some time introducing people as they come. And so I, it's better to do it as a group where everyone can kind of start on the same page again, instead of just trickling in here and there. So that's kind of what's worked for, for us. And um, yeah, so I invite anybody to, to come join that group. That's, that's where you'll see me. And then of course on Instagram, I, I hang out there and it's just pixelated perspectives podcast is my the GNM one, the podcast one, and then Tanya Verquin is my art account. Fabulous. And also information about the Costa Rica retreat will be on your website too. Well, the you actually, Ali, are the first one who's I've really publicly announced <laughs> it to. So it's on my email list. Of course, anybody on my email list will be getting that. That email's going out next week. So, but yes, eventually that information will be up on the website as well. But yeah, if anybody, you know, probably Instagram would be the quickest way to, to stay up to date and, and find out when that uh, registration opens. So that's going to be, it's going to be fun, but it's happening this year. So in September. Fabulous. So fantastic. It was so amazing to have had this conversation with you, the free flowing and getting to let us know who you are as a person and also uh, as somebody who really follows the five biological laws of nature. Thank you so much for the work that you do and for, you know, awakening this community vibe, you know, using GNM, GHK, and also your beautiful talent in artwork and also in emotional therapy. Thank you so much. And I'll share all of the links in the show notes. Yeah, maybe someday we'll have you again as an update, maybe after the Costa Rica retreat. Oh, how fun. That would be really cool. I appreciate you inviting me on, Ellie. It was really, really nice to have this conversation with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Tanya. You're welcome. My pleasure too. Bye. Bye. As an adjunct to this episode, I'd like to talk about some of the biological programs mentioned. All of this information can be found on the website learninggnm.com. Just a quick note to correct what Tanya and I said about the anosmia conflict. It has to do with the olfactory nerves and not the nasal mucosa. The biological conflict of the nasal mucosa is a sting conflict and slightly different from the conflict of the olfactory nerves, which is not being able to smell someone or not wanting to smell a rival. The healing phase of the nasal mucosa is what you would call a common cold with a runny nose and the swelling, but with olfactory nerves, the sense of smell simply comes back without any tissue repair. The olfactory nerves, crucial for the sense of smell, consist of sensory nerve fibers known as fila olfactoria, extending from the olfactory bulbs located at the frontal base of the cerebral cortex. Equipped with specialized receptor cells, these nerves transmit olfactory signals from the nasal cavities mucosa to the olfactory bulbs where the brain processes the smell consciously. 
originating from the ectoderm. These nerves are regulated from the diencephalon. In the biological conflict related to olfactory nerves, individuals may experience the inability to smell something or someone, as in the case of a female unable to detect a lost offspring, or conversely, the aversion to smelling something or someone, such as an overpowering stench or the odor of a rival. During the conflict-active phase, there's a functional loss of olfactory nerves aiming to block olfactory memory or the perception of unwanted odors. This results in a reduced ability to smell the odor associated with a conflict or hyposmia or a complete loss of smell, anosmia. It's noteworthy that olfactory nerves respond to related conflicts with either hyperfunction or functional loss, unlike organs that undergo cell proliferation or loss in response to conflicts. In the healing phase, the sense of smell is restored, typically interrupted temporarily by a loss of smell during the epileptoid crisis. Visual Separation Conflict the conjunctiva, cornea, and lens are associated with a visual separation conflict, such as losing sight of a loved one due to distance, departure, or death. This conflict also includes being unable to see someone or not wanting to see them. The degree of conflict determines which tissue is affected. The conjunctiva for moderate conflicts, the cornea for more severe ones, and the lens for intense experiences. It's important to note that this conflict only pertains to people and animals, not objects like rings or cars, which involve tear glands or the uvea of the eye. Territorial, sexual, and separation conflicts are primary themes associated with ectodermal organs, controlled from sensory, premotor sensory, and postsensory cortices from an evolutionary perspective. In the conflict-active phase, ulceration occurs in the conjunctiva, cornea, or lens during this phase. In the lens, loss of crystalline cells improves light reception, enhancing distant vision to detect lost, quote-unquote, pack members. Short-term memory loss aids in temporarily forgetting the separated individual. In the conjunctiva, ulceration leads to dry eyes, while in the cornea, it can result in keratoconus, causing astigmatism and blurred vision. Steep corneal curvature causes nearsightedness, while flat curvature leads to farsightedness. In the healing phase, cell loss in the conjunctiva, cornea, and lens is replenished. The lens may cloud during healing, causing fuzzy vision and discomfort. Continuous conflict relapses can lead to permanent clouding, known as gray cataract. Blurry vision and keratitis may occur during corneal healing with recurrent scarring causing permanent astigmatism. Conjunctivitis and chemosis involve swelling and inflammation, often mistaken for allergies, but are related to healing from a visual separation conflict. Symptoms may vary depending on handedness and the nature of the conflict, partner or mother-child related. Agglutinated eyelids suggest resolution of additional conflicts related to tear glands. Let's go to indigestible morsel conflict. The colon excluding the sigmoid colon is associated with an indigestible morsel conflict. This conflict involves perceiving certain situations or events as unpalatable or difficult to absorb, such as conflicts over possessions, money, 
property, or relationships. It's characterized by feelings of ugliness, particularly in disputes over finances, property, divorces, court cases, or betrayals. From an evolutionary standpoint, morsel conflicts are primary themes linked to brainstem-controlled organs originating from the endoderm. Upon the conflict's onset, cells in the large intestine proliferate to aid in digesting the perceived indigestible morsel. Prolonged conflict activity may lead to tumor growth, either flat or cauliflower-shaped, known as colon cancer. Symptoms may not be present during this phase, but a large tumor can cause colon narrowing and obstruction, necessitating surgery. After conflict resolution, fungi or mycobacteria remove unnecessary cells, resulting in healing symptoms such as diarrhea, blood in stool, abdominal cramps, especially during the epileptoid crisis, and night sweats. Intestinal yeast overgrowth and infections with Escherichia coli or E. coli bacteria may accompany the healing process. If required microbes are unavailable due to antibiotic overuse, additional cells may remain, leading to encapsulated growths diagnosed as intestinal polyps or benign cancer. In cases involving an active abandonment or existence conflict, water retention can obstruct the colon, potentially causing appendicitis or colitis. Colitis, characterized by bowel inflammation, abdominal pain, flatulence, and diarrhea, possibly with blood and stool, develops post-resolution, similar to Crohn's disease. Persistent symptoms may indicate conflict relapses prolonging healing. Irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, can also result from resolved indigestible morsel conflicts with symptoms typically less severe than colitis. Diverticulitis occurs due to prolonged intestinal healing, resulting in the thinning of the intestinal wall and the formation of pouches that may become inflamed due to conflict relapses. Now let's get into self-devaluation. The skeletal system encompasses all bones and joints in the human body, supported by ligaments, tendons, cartilage, and connective tissue, which stabilize and connect bones. Together with skeletal muscles, they enable controlled physical movements and provide protection for internal organs. For instance, ribs safeguard the pleural cavity housing, the heart and lungs. Bone tissue stores essential minerals like calcium and phosphorus to maintain bone strength. Red bone marrow within bones produces blood cells, while limbs' bones contain yellow bone marrow, mostly composed of fat, which can convert to red marrow during significant blood loss. Osteocytes and osteoblasts are primary bone cells, with osteoblasts building bone and forming calluses for repair. Periosteum covers bone's outer surface, except at joints and ligament tendon attachment sites, which are topped with cartilage, reducing friction during joint movement. Perichondrium lines cartilage akin to periosteum along bones. During embryonic development, cartilage forms the majority of the skeleton, gradually replaced by bone through ossification, a process completing post-birth. Some body parts, like the nose tip and external ear, retain cartilage. At the brain level, the cerebral medulla controls bones, joints, cartilage, tendons, and ligaments. With a crossover correlation, left brain hemisphere controlling right body parts, and vice versa. They share brain relays with muscles, lymph vessels, lymph nodes, 
blood vessels, and connective or fat tissue all linked to self-devaluation conflicts. Bones and joints correlate with severe self-devaluation conflicts, while cartilage, tendons, and ligaments relate to milder self-devaluation issues. These conflicts are evolutionary themes associated with new mesoderm-derived organs controlled by the cerebral medulla. Localized self-devaluation conflicts pertain to specific body parts triggered by intellectual failure, like skull, cervical spine, appearance, facial bones, or auditory issues in the ear. Relationship conflicts such as shoulders and elbows or dexterity concerns like hands and fingers also impact specific skeletal regions. During the conflict active phase, affected bones decalcify due to self-devaluation conflicts, creating gaps and holes. Osteolysis results from conflict intensity, raising serum calcium levels and altering blood parameters. A hammer focus in the cerebral medulla correlates with bone or joint issues, influenced by conflict type and intensity. Osteoporosis, often attributed to postmenopausal estrogen decline, is viewed differently in Germanic New Medicine. It is considered a lasting generalized self-devaluation conflict rather than solely hormonal or dietary, influenced by attitudes towards aging and menopause. Osteolytic bone cancer or bone metastasis typically follows cancer diagnoses, prognosis, or treatment side effects, intensifying self-devaluation conflicts. Understanding these psychological-biological correlations offers insights into holistic health management, aligning with Germanische Heilkunde or GNM principles. In biohacking, you control your biology so it doesn't control you. But first... Heal your mindset. To Biohacking and Beyond. See you in the next episode.